0: Last week, uh, Steve got us started and did a fantastic job of walking through the statement. Um, How many of you can confidently say now what the mission statement of Hillcrest is? Anybody? Go for for it. Somebody call it out. (coughs) Nailed it. Um, (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'll give you a hint. It's over here on the t-shirts, if you can see those beyond the organ. We strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. It's short enough, small enough that we can fit it onto four t-shirts. I know you can't wear four t-shirts all at once. Well, yes, I suppose you can. You just can't see what's on all four t-shirts if you are wearing four t-shirts all at once. Uh, What we uh, walked through last week, just as a refresher if you missed it, Again, catch the podcast, it was excellent, if you have the chance to, uh, through our website or even iTunes, you can catch it uh, on the podcast app there. Um, We talked about the importance of we um, in that statement. We strive, that it's about us together, working in partnership, bringing strengths and weaknesses of one person, adding them together with the strengths and weaknesses of others, and finding that we are not adding weaknesses, but multiplying strengths. Unity in our hearts, in our minds, in our purpose, laying down our own individual agendas and taking hold of the greater mission. Oneness, like Jesus described in John chapter 17. This is verses 20 to 23. Jesus is praying. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, speaking of his disciples. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I. I love the idea of that beautiful unity, but we're not just content to be together, to be one another here, but we have a purpose. Uh, in fact, that purpose is so magnificent that we strive in everything that we do to accomplish it. Uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Um We looked at um, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, near the end of that gospel, uh, verses 18 to 20. This is the Great Commission. Uh, Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Steve kind of broke that down a little bit and said this really fits with our mission statement. And it is, therefore, go, which is an action word. It's effort, intention. This is our striving. And make disciples of all nations or all people. Baptizing them, which is the faith initiation, the sign of joining the community and the purpose. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. It's becoming mature in Christ. So as we continue... Uh, The second week, we're going to look at the second part of the statement, Uh, all people. Now, in order to get perspective on the idea of this all people statement, or all nations, as it says in in the uh, uh, verses in Matthew, we have to back up, and back up quite a distance. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Adam and Eve sinned and were cast out of the garden. Cain killed Abel. Sin ruled in the hearts of humankind, and God was so grieved by it that he wiped out all except Noah and his family on the ark. But the problem of sin persisted. In Genesis 11, we read this. This is the Tower of Babel, or Babel. Chapter 11, Genesis, verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and common speech, As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and make them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if As one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel because the Lord confused their language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now, um, maybe a peculiar uh, verse or a story for some of us, but here we see humanity unified in sin against God. He brings confusion of language to everyone, causing disunity, and at the same time, he creates the opportunity for humanity to develop into many nations, cultures, all over the world. And not long after this happens... God's plan to reach the nations is underway. The very next thing that comes in the scripture, in the Bible, after this event, is the call of Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham. We read about this in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. The nation of Abram was going to be unique in that it was going to be God's plan to reach out to all of the other nations so that rather than being one people united in sin or many peoples lost in disunity and confusion they would be many nations united in worship of the one true God. Some may understand the word nation to mean something with borders. We use it to talk about uh, a country. But this word really has more to do with it than just that. We might miss the point, actually, if we think of it just as borders. The Greek word is the word that we actually get our word ethnicity from. It means a people group. Not just those within a certain border. But, and certainly we would say that we are intent as believers on reaching every ethnicity with the gospel gospel, but it is perhaps more accurate to say "culture" or even subculture. Oftentimes the way we express this is with the word "community." Now the word "community" used to mean a place, a spot bunch of houses together or something like that, a group of people with a common location and purpose, the community of Musha. But now we more often say things like the soccer community, Mm -hmm. the hockey community, the homeschoolers community, the church community, the archery community, and so on. There's those who like country music, those who like everything but country music, um, there's those who like classic rock, there's crossfitters, there's hipsters, or is there? Is there still hipsters, is that still a thing? I, I wasn't sure what the next thing was. Uh, emo, I think we're done with that one, are we done with that? That's not a thing anymore. Um, there's even bizarre combinations of those subcultures, you know, crossfitters who like archery and EDM. To be clear, EDM is electronic dance music and not something else. EDM, electronic dance music. The confusion, though, that started with Babel is still with us today. Language continues to shift. New words are introduced, word meanings shift, and often it can separate even generations. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you knew all of the words that they said, but they, you had no idea what they were saying? I've had that experience. Um, Babel is at at work. Husbands and wives, I'm sure you can relate. Babel is at work when my wife talks to me when I'm not even in the same room as her. And when I sum up my whole day with good. But language is just one part of culture. And Babel (laughs) runs on many levels. We are driven apart by confusion. That's why we find it so uh, comforting When someone speaks our language, we feel such a deep connection with them. And not even just English, spoken language per se, but when you find someone who's into the things that you're into, they think about the same things as you. When we identify that they get it, we love having those kinds of connections. Mom's Time Out is a great example of a ministry to a specific subculture young mums who need connection, advice, support, and a morning where someone else looks after their kids. When we say all people, we mean all of humanity, but we also mean every subculture you can identify. Sometimes when we say all people, though, it can be overwhelming. Where do you start? Perhaps you can theorize about how, yes, the Christian of all of the Christians in the world, we should be reaching out to all of the other people with the gospel. We can have that aspiration, but it does seem out of reach, practically. How does that work? You might be asking yourself, if I'm to go like Abraham to a group of people, to whom shall I go? You might be asking, who is my neighbor? In Luke 10, 25 to 37 there's a very familiar story about the Good Samaritan. Can I invite you even just to close your eyes and imagine yourself in the story as I read? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, The next day he took out two denarii and gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, though traveling north from Jerusalem to Jericho, people always say traveling down because it was steep. It was a descent to a lower uh, plain. Uh, Very steep, very treacherous. Not only that, it was often the place where bandits and robbers would attack. It was the perfect place to set an ambush. Travelers were exhausted from the terrain and they pretty much had to stick to the path, the road going through. Bandits could hide easily and they could overtake you and be off into the nearby desert without much luck of finding them again. This road would have been familiar and renowned for this. Uh, It was even referred to as the ascent of blood, uh, both to do with the rocky terrain and the blood that was commonly spilt there. So as you put yourself into this parable... Again, that's what we're always supposed to do when Jesus tells a story. We're supposed to figure out what this has to do with us. Where are we in the story? Where is God? What's going on here? So let it play out in your imagine. Imagine the scene, the dangerous terrain, the exhaustion, the thought that the bandits are still close by, intent on coming back to finish the job. The sight of this person before you, there at the side of the road, barely hanging on to life, How many of you imagine yourself as the priest? How many of you imagine yourself as the Levite? How many, again, just imagining, imagine yourself as the good Samaritan just walking by? That's where I always put myself. How many of you imagine yourself as a tree nearby, just taking it all in? How many of you imagine yourself as the one that's beaten and left for dead? Something that I've missed for years in this is the fact that Jesus is putting the expert of the law into the parable as the half-dead man. Until recently, I imagined a kind of a total stranger who needed help, and there I was trucking along behind the, you know, the two other guys. That's just how I imagined it from when I was a child. And again, I was taught that, again, you want to be a good person, you have to be like the Samaritan. You want to be the third guy, that's the person you're supposed to try to be. But the whole thing, I believe, kind of turns, at least in my mind, when you see yourself as the one who is robbed and beaten and left for dead. If you are in that position, who do you want to be your neighbor? Anyone. In that position, you are desperate for anyone to help you. You're desperate for the mercy of someone else you're not really concerned with whether it's a priest or a Levite, which they were supposed to help. They have even obligations to help being a priest or a Levite. They were supposed to do something. Or the Samaritan. doesn't matter. Even though that person, uh, there was, they were at odds. Jews hated the Samaritans. In my mind, I was always heroic. I arrived on the scene. I took charge. I was generous. In my life, I actually find i a lot more like the first two. And I avoid people, especially people who are in need. I realize I'm not so heroic. But the more that I've come to see that I'm the one who is left half dead, the more that I realize it was God's grace to me that he stepped in, he healed me, Though he had no obligation to, he rescued me. He spared no expense on me. Though I was enemies with him, though in my heart I distrusted him, even hated him, he came to me, he healed me, he poured out his love and riches for me, he made me a son. I believe until we see ourselves as beaten and left for dead, we will never become the good Samaritan. I believe it starts with and continues with an experience of grace. If you see yourself as the one who was beaten and left for dead, when you start to answer the question, who is my neighbor, you will find the answer is the same, anyone. That's why we have a statement that says all people. We're not reaching out to all people because of our Ego and pride as a good church or as good people. But mission statements are supposed to be lofty, but that's not why. It's because we have known the mercy and grace of God. Have you had that experience? Maybe you're wondering, uh, I've not had that experience. The Bible teaches that we are all sinners in need of a savior. If you've never put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, do that today. At the end of the service, come and pray with one of our prayer teams. If you can feel him drawing you in, come and meet him. Maybe you have had that experience of grace. What now? What's the process? How do you become a good Samaritan How do we strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ? Well, this is our mission statement as a church, so hopefully you see this working its way out in every initiative that we have, all of the programs that we run, the events we have in our life groups and families. A few years ago, we did a series called Tangible Kingdom based on a book by that same title, and in that series, we talked about the distance between us and our neighbors. I'm not sure if you remember this, but kind of over here, um, we had a you are here arrow. This is where you are. And then kind of over here, there was a person we labeled as M1. It meant that in order to reach them with the gospel, this person, um, we would have to um, do something small. Um, We would have to maybe introduce ourselves, be brave enough to walk across the room, something like that. But generally, this person is going to be largely from your same culture, even your subculture group. Their kids also go to the same school as your kids or you're a part of the same sports team or something. But you have to get out of yourself a little bit. Then we had further along the line an M2, somebody who was, again, maybe further outside of someone you would associate with, but they're still kind of in regular Canadian culture here in Moose Jaw. You can identify certain things that you have in common with them. But the further and the further that you go along this journey with an M3 or an M4 or an M5, you end up with people who are further and further away from what's comfortable to you, their way of thinking, their way of being, where they live, their language, all of those things might be different than yours. And the further that you kind of go along the spectrum, you find that there are people that are greater and greater distances from where you're at. And as we think about all people, and as we think of that experience of grace that we've had, that we would, as someone left for dead, knowing that God came to us and rescued us, We've had that experience of his grace. That As we turn and say, yes, I want to be like the Samaritan. I want to be the person that I would meet the needs of anyone. I would reach out to anyone with the gospel. We have to think about the distance you have to travel. That's what I'll I'll, uh, remain just for the remainder of this um, message. If we are to reach all people, some of us will have to dig in where we already are. We talked about subcultures. I mentioned the crossfitter loving archery who loves EDM. Uh, And you were like, hey, that's me. Not everyone was saying that, but maybe you did. There's something um, that you're likely already into. You're already part of a community. You just need to bring your experience of grace with you and play your part in rescuing and pouring out the love and riches you've received. Others of you need to take one more step beyond your community. You need to learn to like country music or you need to get a dog or join a gym because it will take you out of yourself into a community that needs you. The call to Abraham was to get out. And so I want us all to think about how much we need to get out this morning. For some of you, you are going to move Um, way out of what is comfortable you're going to be a neighbor to someone who doesn't have anything in common with you they don't think like you or act like you or look like you they may even be hostile to you but they are beaten and left for dead and you know what that's like so you're going to bring your experience of grace with you on a long journey to one of the many nations of the world even if those nations are right here in Musha. We, together in partnership, in teams, multiplying strength, strive, not through human effort, but because of our experience of God's grace to see all people, every culture and every subculture reconciled to God and mature in Christ. Next week, we're gonna go further into this uh, mission statement, so be sure to be back next week. Uh, stay, in, stay tuned to the podcast if you can't make it. Uh, and as we close, I'll invite the worship team to come back. And I have a couple questions just for us to consider. So worship team, you can come back and get set up. There will be prayer themes available after the service. They'll be here at the front, and they would love to pray with you about anything that's on your heart. Perhaps these questions will spark something for you. If you need to answer these questions, come do some listening prayer with our prayer teams. Number one, have you experienced God's grace and accepted him as Lord and Savior? If you haven't, I want you to come meet with someone and pray with them. Do you need to be reminded of what his grace is like? I'm not sure what that looks like, Uh, I often find that even as I sing, I'm always reminded of his grace in the songs that we sing. um, Maybe you need to sing now. Maybe you need to sing in your car on the way home. I'm not sure what that looks like for you to remember that grace, to remember your story, how he influenced your life, how he changed it. Do you know who your people are? What community are you connected to that you'd like to reach with the gospel Come and pray about strategies. You can spend time on your own here. Maybe just coming to the front will help you to concentrate to do that. Maybe you want to pray with a prayer team about that. Is God calling you out beyond your current culture? Maybe it's one step over to an M1. Maybe it's an M2. Maybe it's a bigger step that you need to take. Is God calling you out? Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing one more song.